you've been welcomed several times this morning. I just want to add my welcome to you as well. My name is Jim Olson. I have the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor at Bethel, and I've been doing so for nearly 23 years now, and it's been a rich and wonderful experience for me here. This morning we are continuing our study uh, that we began a couple weeks ago. It's corresponding with this Lenten time. Um, it's entitled Apostello, and, uh, which is the Greek word for sent. And uh, our, our key scripture here out of Luke 9 is he called the 12 together and gave them authority over all demons to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Now this morning you're going to have to walk with me because um, I've really got a sermon series today in today's message, so we're going to walk through this and I encourage you, if you're taking notes, please do so. If you've missed the last couple of messages, you can always go to our website at uh, BethelTwinCities.org and download messages from the MP3, or you can pick up, uh, and you can also get the sermon notes there online. You can also pick up CDs and sermon notes in the back here, uh, or you can sign up for future CDs if you'd like to, or a CD from uh, today or any of the previous weeks that we've been doing this. Um, The first week we looked at what it means to become a missional people. Um, To be missional simply means to be sent. Um, In John 20, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So the fact and the reality is, as people of God, one of the primary things that defines us is that we are people who are always being sent. Always being sent. We are missional by our identity and destiny. It's who we are and what we're called to do is to keep going with Jesus where he is. And when we do that, we're going to find that we are going to experience four immersions. Immersion number one is immersion into a new culture because God is going to send us outside of our comfort zones. He's going to move us beyond us four and no more into kind of places we're going to cross streets and we're going to cross fences and we're going to cross across boundaries we're going to cross walls jesus did that all the time he invited his disciples to do the same and he invites us to do the same thing as well in fact in acts 11 the disciples were first called christians in antioch because they were the ones who went outside of the cultural context of judaism Secondly, immersion two means that we're going to be immersed in community. We're not going alone. The day of the Lone Ranger evangelist, if there ever was a day for that, is long behind us because that's not the biblical model. The biblical model is people of God going together in community with one another. Even from the beginning, Jesus sent them out two by two. And when the church was formed and formed as a community, as a kingdom culture community, they went together to do the works that they had been invited to do by God. And that's the immersion three, is that we must be immersed in God. You, if you try to, and many of us have tried to, go out and do this missional scent thing in our own strength, you will quickly find yourself face-planted into a wall. Because you are going to quickly come to the end of yourself. You can't do this outside of a vital relationship with the living God, experiencing his breath in you. I love that picture in John 20. That's the picture I've been sitting with for the last month and a half or so. 
Jesus, on the night of his resurrection, the disciples are gathered together in a room with locked doors because of fear for the Jews and what's going on. Jesus walks through. We're not sure if he walked through the locked door or the wall, but he walked in and showed them. He said, peace be with you, showed them his scars, and then he said again, peace be with you, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And that was the beginning, of course, that got consummated in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit fell on them and they were released in the power of the Spirit. We must have the power of the Spirit within us. That's why we gather. That's why we come together as a community. That's why there's these times of gathering so that we can reconnect in vital relationship with one another and God to be sent out to him. It's part of the in, up, and out rhythm of our lives. And also, inevitably, this is going to put you in tension. You will be immersed in tension when you are a missional people. It goes with the territory. There's going to be internal tension. There's going to be external tension. I've been, we've been dialoguing about this a lot in our Mosaic group, uh, we have a wonderful mosaic group that meets on Wednesday nights, and there's a great mosaic group at the A-Strikes on Thursday nights, and another wonderful mosaic group at the Biaquelis on Friday night. Connect. Get connected. Because it's a place to dialogue and work through some of those tensions. We had a wonderful conversation. Didn't we have a great conversation? Maura, Peg, some of you that were there on, on Wednesday night. We had a wonderful dialogue about this very issue of the tension that each of us feel both sometimes internally as well as externally around this whole matter of being a missional people. Secondly, last week we looked at what it means to become an incarnational people. Incarnation means to embody in the flesh. John 1.14 in the message, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We are called to be an incarnational people. What does that mean? It means, well, how are we to live among our neighbors? Well, first of all, we identify with them. Incarnational people break down the walls between us and them. Our culture has become increasingly polarized, not just between religious and non-religious people or Christians and, and those who are not yet Christians. That's not the only, I mean, politically, in every way, economically, there's so much polarization around us and them. But incarnational people break down those walls. Incarnational people are in touch. They are sent out in compassion and mercy. They are, you know, when Jesus says, go into the, the harvest fields, or why don't, you know, uh, send forth laborers into the harvest fields, he's sending them in. They weren't sitting on John Deere tractors. They were actually feeling the harvest. They were actually going and with their hands, they were in touch with people. Invest. Incarnational people share not only the truth, but their lives with others. There's scriptures connected with all of these that you can find on last week's PowerPoint things or in the. So all of these are, are, are focused around scriptures. But, you know, people, again, you know, you've heard this a million times. People do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. Are you willing to actually invest in people? Or are they simply targets? Or are they treasures that you are investing in? Interruptions. Incarnational people welcome interruptions as opportunities to advance the kingdom. I got a great email this week. By the way, keep those emails coming. I love getting emails of testimonies of things that are direct connections between what I preach and what you're experiencing. And somebody, a young mom, wrote to me this week and just talked about an open opportunity that God gave an interruption at the end of a really difficult day with small children who were not fully cooperative with the plan. 
all right? And everything was just, you know, and, it, you know, dinner wasn't ready and the house wasn't, whatever, and this interruption came in of an opportunity of a, of a neighbor, young neighbor girl, and God spoke and said, this is your opportunity, and stepped into it, and it cracked open something wide, not only in that girl, but in that family. God works through interruptions. They are ministry. I've discovered that interruptions is where most of the stuff happens, all right? In part, incarnational people live with integrity and speak the truth in love. Okay? St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. He was responding and reacting to a, a, a church that was all words and no action. Okay? But actually, in the kingdom, it's both end. It's not either or. We need action, but we need words. There are times then where God will give you opportunity to speak a word of truth in love, with gentleness, with respect, but speak the truth. We must impart truth. How will they know unless they hear? They've got to hear. We've got to, we've got to speak. All right? It's not just about living such good lives that we hope people will kind of somehow, by osmosis, guess that the reason we're doing that is because of Jesus. No, we can boldly proclaim, I'm doing this because I love Jesus and because he loved me. Influence incarnational people transform both individuals and society as they embody kingdom culture. So there's a transformation here. There's something bigger at work in the influencing. Incarnational people are influencing and embodying that kingdom culture. The gospel of the kingdom is what we want to focus on today. The gospel of the kingdom. So we have been discovering that missional answers the question of why we go, and incarnational answers the question of how we go, the gospel of the kingdom answers the question of what we're bringing with us when we go. So did you catch that? Missional is why, incarnational is how, Gospel of the kingdom is what? What are we bringing? And what I'm going to share with you this morning comes out of a place of discovery in my own life that most of us, including me, have reduced the gospel in ways that actually end up distorting the fullness of the reality of the gospel. So today, my invitation and my expectation for us is that we're going to break open our understanding of the gospel of the kingdom. I want to give you a bigger picture than you've had. In our Tangible Kingdom Primer, they, um, they, they use this definition, the definition of the word gospel as we know is good news. And it's a simple word for something big. In fact, the gospel that Jesus talked about was so big that he had to give people many different teachings and practical examples. His gospel was about a new kingdom that would change everything about a person, their community, and the world. And that definition is taken right out of the, the uh, tangible kingdom primer, which we're going together through together 
during Lenten, Lent here. If you've not picked up a copy of it, right after service today, A-Strikes, you guys will be back there. We'll be back there. They'll be happy uh, for a donation suggested of $13. I would encourage you to do this. Annette and I have been working through it together. Our group's working through it together. I'm working through it as I'm preparing messages. It's been very, very helpful in helping you take what we're discovering on Sundays and really beginning to put it into practice in our lives. All right, so moving right along here. In Matthew 9, 35 to 38, I already referenced this scripture earlier, Jesus tells us that Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Good news there, gospel. The gospel, the evangelion, the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. How are they being sent out? They're being sent into the harvest field incarnationally. And what are they being sent with? They're being sent with the good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. Now, what is that gospel? I'm so glad you asked. What is the gospel of the kingdom? Because that's what we're going to look at this morning. All right. We come back to one of our seminal texts in Luke chapter 4, 16 to 21. This is when Jesus, for the first time, opens up his ministry publicly. And it's so interesting what happens here. You know the scripture, but read along with me up here. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. They couldn't look away. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, we don't know what else he said. It said he began by saying. But we do know that he said that. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Well, what, does, what is the scripture? What is being fulfilled? The spirit of the Lord is on me. So, when we're talking and asking the question, what is the gospel of the kingdom, we can't start anywhere else or end anywhere else other than centered on the kingship of Jesus. So when we're talking about the kingdom and the gospel of the kingdom, we're talking about the good news of King Jesus' kingdom. Does this make sense? Okay, this is so obvious. Everybody's going, yeah. (sighs) Would you please get on to something good? 
because of the model which most of us have grown up with, the model that's been exhibited around us and has been handed on to us in, for many centuries even in the church, we think of the kingdom, we think of the gospel, we think of the good news as a set of propositions, as a series of doctrinal statements. We think about it where we think about it in all of those ways, and all of that can be helpful, but they're only helpful as long as they lead us back to and direct our attention toward. The king. Because the kingdom is about and centered in a person. <laughs> centered in a person. Jesus. When Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 5, listen to what he says. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you when you received, which you received, and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first. Say first. first. Please say first. 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 Wake yourself up. Say first. first. First importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and then it goes on, and he, he, he appeared to many more, the disciples and the five hundred, and he, he did that. So what does that mean? It means for us that at the center of the gospel of the kingdom is Jesus. And he is the Messiah, the Christ, the Lord, the Savior, and the Son of God. So inescapably, if you are going to, if we together are going to be proclaiming anything about the gospel, it will be centered in and find its source of life in Jesus who lived, who died, who was buried, who was raised, who has appeared, and who is coming again. Hello? No, I'm the tired one. I, you know. I worked hard all day yesterday. I know a lot of you worked hard too, but okay, come on. This is really good news. This is good news. It's centered in Jesus. Well, yeah, I know that. Really? Hmm. A lot of our gospel is Jesus plus. All these other things that have kind of like barnacles attached. But when you strip it all away, of first importance, I'm telling you this. This is the most important thing. (sighs) Secondly, this gospel of the kingdom is the kingdom of God. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Implicit in that prayer is my kingdom go, my my will be undone. If you're going to pray, 
His kingdom come and his will be done. You're praying, my kingdom go, my will be undone. So right here, when Jesus is teaching his disciples, they say, teach us to pray. Jesus begins, and he begins his prayer with a prayer about the kingdom. This is the gospel of the kingdom. What does that mean? It means that the kingdom of God, what we're asking for and praying for, is that the rule and reign of Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, will be extended on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're praying. That's what we're living for. That's what we're seeking that God would do in and through our lives as we go out together as missional incarnational people with the gospel of the kingdom. We're asking for His kingdom to be extended on earth as it is in heaven. Well, where is earth? It's wherever it is that your feet are planted. That means at your workplace, that means in your school, that means in your neighborhood, that means in your home, that means in this city, that means wherever we are, or George and Kay in in India, or wherever the extension of our life goes, we're asking that His kingdom, His rule and reign, because that's what kingdom means, the rule and reign of Jesus will be extended on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, am I making sense? told you it's going to take a little while to unpack this because there's a lot here, but it's so important. I just I feel like if we don't get properly oriented, we're going to get easily disoriented. So I'm trying to properly orient us so that we understand what it is that we're going with. We're going with Jesus, and we're going seeking to extend his rule and reign. Now, what does that mean? look like? What is the good news or the gospel of the kingdom? Jesus said you're going to go out with the good news of the kingdom. That's what he brought with him, Matthew 9. That's what he's sending us with as missional incarnational people. So here's where I want to take you and broaden your vision, all right? So for those of you keeping score at home, wondering when dinner will come, There are seven R's, okay? Because you know, alliteration, anointed of God. All right, so here we go. So the first, the place that we must start is to repent and believe. Jesus said these words in Mark chapter 1, 14 and 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the gospel of the kingdom begins with what I was just talking about. My kingdom go, my will be undone. the, The gospel of the kingdom is a radical reorientation of our lives around Jesus and his life and his purposes. It takes us from over here and moves us to over here. It's a 180. Repentance means turn around. You're going this way. It's time to turn around. To begin to go his way, repent, turn around and believe, start walking with and towards Jesus. Jesus. 
Ooh, ah. (laughs) This is 101 basic. (laughs) But we don't really graduate from it. We just keep coming around to it. Because it's a continuous process in our lives. So the good news offers the gift of salvation, which we receive when we repent and believe. Now, for most of us, if I were to ask you what the gospel is, this is probably, you'd probably orient most of your thinking around this because this is is what we have kind of taken the gospel and encapsulated the gospel in this. And this is central. This is core. This is at the root understanding of the gospel. But it isn't the sum total of the gospel of the kingdom. There's more. (laughs) There really is. There's more. In fact, at least, and you could probably add more, I got at least six more things that are part of the gospel of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. Well, what are they? Well, rest. Now, there's a thought. There's a thought. You know, it takes terribly... Uh, intentional discipline when somebody asks you the question how you're doing to not say, well, I'm busy. Everybody's busy. Even if we're not busy, we're busy. We feel busy. We're, we're striving, we're working, we're doing, you know, we're doing all this. But the rest isn't really about external activity. It's about... It, 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 that's connected. But that's connected to an internal posture. Which the writer of Hebrews talks about when he says there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So what does that get after? Well, it means that the good news gives rest to the restless who are weary of striving and going their own way and trying to do it in their own strength. If we could add that onto there as well. If you're weary of going your own way and trying to do life in your own strength, the gospel of the kingdom offers you another way, and it's called trusting in Jesus. Because that's what Sabbath is about. It's about trusting that he's got enough to provide for you. That everything that you're not getting done, is gonna, it's going to be okay. The world's not going to come to a shuddering halt if you actually pause internally and externally to rest. To just be in that posture, in that place abiding with him. Now those of us that are wired, AAA, whatever, and you know, you're, you got, you know, whatever, this is a hard word to receive, but it is part of the gospel of the kingdom, and it's a part of the gospel of the kingdom that our culture desperately needs to hear. Wasting time on Jesus. (laughs) 
and with him. Just being present. Coming into that place. Stop striving. Stop trying to earn what you can't earn because it's gift anyway. We talked about a lot about that yesterday at the Holy Spirit outpouring in my own heart. I had to learn that over and over again. God loves me not for what I do, but for who I am because I'm his child, because he cares about me. All right, release. This is good news. I don't know, anybody here or, you don't have to raise your hand because I think we'd all raise our hand. Anybody here or anybody you know in your life who's struggling with some places of bondage and brokenness and difficulty? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. okay. Well, here's the good news. It shall come to pass that in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. That's Isaiah 10, 27 in the King James. Now in the NIV it puts it this way. It says in that day their burden will be lifted from their, your shoulders, their yoke from your neck. The yoke will be broken because you've grown so fat. So what is this about? So... All right, well, we'll we'll enlighten you, I hope. See, we don't understand what the anointing means. We think the anointing is some mixed magical pixie dust that God sort of, you know, blows out and over people and there's some... Well, at the root of the word anointing is the oil of fatness. What it means is this. God wants to, and the gospel of the kingdom means when you begin to orient your life around him, he begins to grow you and mature you to a place where your neck begins to grow because you've become maturing in him because he's building you up. And the old yokes, the patterns and actions and behaviors and words on your life don't fit anymore. That's what release is about. When he talks about bringing that. So the good news empowers us to be liberated from bondages. You don't have to be stuck as you have been. We shared about this, Annette and I, at the couples retreat a couple weeks ago, which was just so fun. We had a great time with the 30 couples who came, and we talked about anointing. We talked about this release, and I shared with them there, and I think I've shared with you before. I mean, I remember early on in our marriage, first couple of years of our marriage, I remember distinctly, I know exactly where I was standing, I know exactly what was happening, I won't go into the whole thing, but I remember saying in a very strong voice to my wife, well, that's just the way I am, and you're going to have to accept it because I can't change. And immediately, as clearly as I know how to hear from God, I heard his voice in my ear saying, Oh no, son. The issue isn't that you can't change. The issue is that you won't. And that began a process of releasing and breaking off bondages because God wanted to grow me up. He wanted to fatten my neck so that that old stuff doesn't fit no more. That's the gospel of the kingdom. It's a gospel of recovery. All right? Repent. Rest. Release. Recovery. Is anyone among you in trouble? I love this scripture. James 3, 5, 13 to 16. Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. 
and anoint them with oil. Here's that anointing again, because we're going back to the, to the, to the concept. I didn't tie this in very clearly for you. Let me tie this in clearly for you from Luke 4, and I'm going to come back to the scripture in a moment. Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61. He's also referencing Leviticus 25 and the whole concept of Jubilee. We sang about it this morning, the year of Jubilee. So Jesus has a very particular, and his people that he was speaking to would have understood the context of what he was saying. In fact, he ended his Isaiah 61 reading with the year of Jubilee. And so when we're talking about the things that are part of the gospel of the kingdom, they're connected directly into Jubilee. They're connected into Isaiah 61, the prophetic word that Jesus was reading, and this ongoing sense of being anointed. So we're coming back to this anointing again, the Spirit of the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord is on us now with that anointing as well. So go to the elders of the church and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up, and if they have sinned, They will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Here's the deal, people. The good news of the kingdom enables us to recover from our hurts, from the harms, the hates, and the horrors that we have experienced. Anybody else happy about that? The good news of the kingdom that we're bringing. So are you catching this? When you are going out as a missional people incarnationally because you've been sent to go into the earth and the world around you, you're going with good news that says not only repent and believe, but also there's an offer here of rest to you. And you can be released from bondages and you can recover. You can recover from the hurts and the harms and the hates and the horrors. In fact, it's part of the package of the good news of the kingdom. Please, do you get this? This is huge. We've reduced the gospel to the point where people don't want to hear it anymore because they don't understand what it is. But if they only begin to understand what it is that we're talking about, How winsome is this? Do you and the people around you, is there anybody in your life who might need some recovery? Anybody who might need some release? Anybody who might need some rest? Anybody who needs to turn around and repent and believe and stop going their way and coming to Him? Yes! Restoration just keeps getting better. Isaiah 61, it goes on. This is the passage beyond where Jesus finished when he completed reading. But the context here is they would have understood here, Isaiah 61, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy. There's the oil again. Instead of mourning a garment of praise, instead of a spirit of despair, they'll be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They'll rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. The restoring, the rebuilding. This is the good news of the kingdom. It rebuilds individuals and societies that have been shattered and broken. Only the gospel can do that. 
Some of you come from countries that have been shattered and broken. Only the good news will truly bring the rebuilding of those societies. The good news of the kingdom, that there's a king, Jesus, who wants to extend his rule and reign, and when he does, he will bring that restoration. He will rebuild. He'll rebuild your life that has been shattered and broken. This is good news, people. All right. Those of you keeping score at home, what are we up to? Is this six or five, six? Is it number six? All right. Two more. Reconciliation. Ooh, do I love this. The gospel of the kingdom is a gospel of reconciliation. I, this, I love, this is like one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible, Colossians 1, 19 and 20. I get so excited about this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is Jesus, and through him to reconcile to himself a few things. What does it say? Come on, tell me. What does that say? All things? things? Really? All things. All things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't simply so that he could bring fire insurance to people. He brought the power to reconcile everything to himself. All things. That's people, that's systems, that's things on earth and in heaven. Everything finds its proper place in him. Oh, there's so much division and brokenness in our world around ethnic and racial strife, not just here in America, all over the world. And you know what? We're not going to get there by all of us sitting around and we're going to hold hands together, Arthur and I and others. We're going to hold hands and we're going to sing Kumbaya and we're going we're to say, you know, I feel really good about Arthur. Arthur, I feel really good about you. Do you feel really good about me? Let's feel really good about each other. And if we feel really good about each other, everything's going to get better. That's not reconciliation. I don't know what it is, but it ain't reconciliation. Reconciliation is when we submit ourselves mutually one to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's reconciliation. When I'm submitted to him, when each of us, when Arthur and I are each submitting our lives more to Jesus, we're going to find ourselves submitting our lives more to one another. We're going to find ourselves reconciled in Christ. That's what he does. So the world's got nothing to offer on this. Somebody used to say, you know, the whole multicultural thing sounds really good until the bullets start flying. And then everybody goes back to their tribe. But what we're saying here in the House of Prayer for All Nations is that, no, you are, you are my tribe. You're my tribe. You're in my tribe. You're in my tribe. You're in my tribe. Right? Amelia? We the same tribe? Yes. All right. 
We are. We're the same tribe. Same tribe, Sophia? We're the same tribe? Yes, we are. Because we're part of the one nation, one people. One royal priesthood. Mm, this is good. The good news brings reconciliation to all things. Okay. Last one here. You're doing great. Rejoicing. Rejoicing. I just, man, I'm just so excited. I don't know. Anyway, I wish I could show it better than I can today, but this is so good news. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not about all the rules and regulations. It's not about all of this stuff. It's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. (laughs) So when we talk about radiating life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations, we're talking about radiating that which is part of the good news of the kingdom because the good news reveals true joy. And the world tries to recreate that in lots of other ways, but all of it is artificial happiness which leaves people at the end of the day not really so happy. Because if if your life is wrapped up in that and people are looking for true joy, that's where sports and entertainment and all of those things in our culture are trying to find, you know, all the entertainment is just distraction. It can bring you momentary, and you know, there's nothing wrong with in measured places, in measured ways, but recognize that it is not going to reveal true joy in your life. You're not going to find it on a screen with a video game. Sorry. Or with, you know, people with hockey sticks. No offense, but that's not going to reveal true joy. It's a lovely thing, and it's a wonderful thing, and you can take joy in it, but it doesn't reveal the true joy. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's perfect that you're there. It's exactly right. No, that is where where you need to be. I'm not saying don't be there, but that's not where you're getting your joy. True joy is coming out of the kingdom. All right. I want to give you the last thing. Okay, we're wrapping up. Honest. So uh, to keep me honest, worship team, come up. All right. Is that really, I feel kind of like preaching today. Because I think there's some things here that are important to say. But here's the biblical illustration. I love this. You, you know this scripture in Luke. You've heard this story. Maybe many of you have heard it before. Maybe some of you are hearing it for the first time. But listen to it carefully. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Now, First of all, notice this. This is a whole sermon in itself, all of this whole scripture. But notice, that's why I got them up here. All right. Jesus is walking between Samaria and Galilee. That means he's walking through cultural thickets already. Jesus is going outside of the comfort zone of the Jewish culture to Samaria. And he's got ten lepers. And we don't even know whether they're, if they're a mix of Samaritans. And we know that. One of them, at least, is a Samaritan, but maybe others are, are Jews, Samaritans. But they're, they're, they're a collection of ten lepers who have one thing in common. They're lepers. They have a need. And so they're walking along, 
and they stood at a distance because they couldn't get close because that was the, you know, because they had to, they were prescribed to stay at a distance. And they said, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice, threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And here's the kicker, according to Luke and according to the gospel account. And he was a Samaritan. He was one of those people. He was one of them. And notice what Jesus says in response. He asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, if you noticed, if you were paying attention there as I was reading that, you noticed that there were three words that were bolded, healed, cleansed, and well. Those are all three words that are, have the same root to them, but give different expressions of understanding of the gospel of the kingdom. Because healed has to do with his physical body. Cleansed had to do with a very specific cleansing that needed to take place, that the priest said, yes, you've been cleansed. They had to go and show themselves to the priest because the priests were the ones who said you could come back into community. So the cleansing was a societal cleansing. And the well had to do with a spiritual reality. You've been made well. Your spirit is now made whole. Well, guess what? When the gospel of the kingdom breaks into lives of people, he's after the whole enchilada. He's after your physical, social, and spiritual health and well-being. When we engage the gospel of the kingdom, physical, social, and spiritual wholeness is released into our lives individually and corporately. When we engage physical, social, and spiritual wholeness, that's what God's, that's what this kingdom is about. It's so much more than what we've made it. It's so much bigger and it's so much better. Ah, I just want to drive this deep into our spirit today. Ah, can you just breathe it in for a moment? Just breathe in the bigness of it. So what can we do? What, are, what now? Well, where and in what ways and in whom is God already at work in your school, work, neighborhood, and city? Where, where's God already at work? Start asking him, Jesus, what are you doing? Where are you already going? And how does your life intersect then? with where and what and in whom God is already at work? How can you, how, where does your life intersect with where Jesus and the people and the things and the systems and the stuff that he's already working in and then look for an opportunity to be good news? Bless through words and through actions and gifts. Just begin to, to, to pour out and release this kingdom into people's lives. The kingdom of, of repentance, the kingdom of rest, this, this kingdom of release, this kingdom of recovery, this kingdom of restoration, this kingdom of reconciliation, this kingdom of rejoicing. That's the kingdom! And maybe this morning, you need that kingdom to break into your life today. If that's the case, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. 
Today is the day when the good news of this kingdom can break into you and into your life. Woohoo! It's really good. It's better than what I've even been able to say. It's bigger than anything I can put into words. But he's got it all and he wants to give it to us. And maybe you've got people around you that God's already beginning to speak into your heart about. If you need to receive the kingdom or you want to somehow make a specific declaration of inviting him to release that kingdom in and through you, we're going to stand together and I'm going to invite you to come if you'd like to this altar. If you need to receive the kingdom, you can talk to Tom and Kathy here or Mary Lynn. They're right up front. They would love to talk to you and pray with you today to receive this good news of the kingdom. If you need that release today, if you want something more released in you, just come. And as we sing this, make your declaration. And then pretty quick, my wife will be heading to my house, to our house. You are invited. Please come to our house today for lunch. We've got lots of food, lots of fun planned. Come, meet with us, share with us. I'll give a benediction after we've sung this prayer. And if you need, if you want, come right now. If you want to stand for someone and with somebody, that's great. Be yourself. If you need to receive, come. Just open your hands. Jesus, we're so grateful for this gospel of your kingdom. So much bigger and better than anything that we could ever imagine or hope for so much more Lord Jesus we want to receive the fullness of your kingdom today in our hearts in order Lord that it might be released in and through us so Lord increase our capacity even today to understand to comprehend to embrace and to engage this kingdom and now, may you be filled afresh even this day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this house to your house sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of His goodness over your life. And until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home, I bless you, people of God. May His goodness and mercy, His love chase you down this day and every day until He comes in Jesus' name. Amen.